You're listening to the Level 5 podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the subjects that matter in business and management. Welcome to the Level 5 Strategy Lounge, our ongoing podcast series. My name is Claude Ricks. I'm one of the managing partners of Level 5. Today, our podcast title, Omnichannel Fulfillment, Impacting Supply Chain, Customer Experience, and Retail Strategy. The context of today's conversation circles around what happens when customer experience and journey, digital, omnichannel fulfillment, dynamic supply chain demands, and a retailer's brand promise all collide. How do you mitigate the issues and learn from the best? Speaking today with me on this podcast are three individuals. Ian Medell, President and Managing Partner of Level 5 Strategy, and an expert in the Canadian retail strategy space. Mike Doherty, a partner of Demand Clarity, a supply chain strategy house. And Rob Gizzi, Director at Level 5 and Customer Journey Practice Leader. Gentlemen, welcome to the Strategy Lounge. Glad to be here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. So let me uh, start off with the first question. Retailers are now thinking about omnichannel fulfillment. What does that mean for the omnichannel supply chain? Mike, your thoughts. Well, what it means is retailers need to rethink and design the supply chain to have the capabilities to deliver to a single customer wherever and whenever they want. Given the rise and shift in online demand and the fact that information is readily available now at, at a consumer's fingertips, what it means is the retail supply chain needs to re-architect itself to be able to deliver what we call the each supply chain. Customers, consumers buy in eaches and the supply chain needs to be able to facilitate that. In addition, uh, what uh, this in, uh, additional information that customers have at their fingertips is surfacing is, is the need to have accurate uh, inventory accuracy in terms of that store level. So if you think of a consumer, a customer, many people today can not only look online uh, at a retailer, they can see and they can see the online inventory that's available at that retailer and then make the decision on their purchasing journey. So if the retailer has that inventory, they might decide to go to the store. If, if they don't and the system said they had it and they go to the store, that's a very disappointing situation for, uh, for consumers. Rob, Ian, any thoughts on omnichannel implementation in light of supply chain impacts, customer experience, or retail strategy, especially in light of that six-letter word called Amazon? Well, I think, um, first of all, consumers have more power than they've ever had before. And that's, in, that's putting more stress, if you will, on, on retailers in the supply chain. Customer expectations are significantly higher and combined with information that's readily available, either online, their fingertips with their smartphone, etc. Uh, the expectation is that customers can buy anything, anytime, anywhere, and acquire it however I like. And so, I mean, this is this that saying's been around for several years now, but the bar gets higher and higher, and it's not just on an annual basis; it's almost on a quarterly basis, led by Amazon because they really are, are a pioneer in terms of setting the bar of how fast they can get uh, products to to consumers and the way they want to. So, as a result, the expectation of being in stock for any channel is really high. Rob, did you have anything you want to add? Yeah, what I would add is uh, certainly to build off of the Amazon point a bit, 
um, like Ian mentioned, consumers, you know, they're aware of everything around them and their surroundings. And therefore, uh, regardless of whether it's in the local market or internationally, they're seeing what Amazon is doing. You see things such as two hour delivery in some markets being piloted, next day delivery, Amazon Prime, etc. And so customers are aware of those expectations and they're starting to demand that of retailers in any sector, any space and any market. Um, and certainly that just continues to, to push additional challenges. I think in the Canadian marketplace specifically, that becomes even more problematic because of the geographic landscape that we operate in. Um, it just puts an additional level of stress because things like two-hour delivery, next day, et cetera, become more challenging when you have such a broad geographic landscape. To uh, all of you, I'll start with Ian and Rob and then Mike uh, jump in. Uh, what are some of the distinct competitive advantages to retailers and consumers if they've got a seamlessly integrated supply chain? Well, I think um, before I answer that question directly, um, this is we're talking about a table stake now. Um, what you just said is, is becoming a table stake. If you want to be in retail, you have got to be able to deliver on these things. What starts to give you a competitive advantage, though, is having a clear promise to the marketplace of exactly um, what you're going to deliver, how you're going to differentiate, and make sure that you don't fail in doing that. So it starts with a distinct and differentiated promise. On And when you say table stake, what does that mean? Does that mean that if I don't have this capability, I, I can't compete? Yeah, I think if you look out, and um, Mike, I'd appreciate your thoughts on this, but um, if you look out in the future, five, ten years, probably five years, if you, if you cannot deliver this, you are just not going to be in retail because the expectation is that you will be able to do it uh, in an omnichannel uh, way wherever consumers want it. Yeah, and, and what I would add on to that is just that the promise needs to live equally across all channels. So what you can't have is difference in the execution of a promise across different channels. So if I go into a retail experience and everything is fantastic and I feel like the brand is fully living up to expectations, but then I go online and all of that falls apart, um, it sort of doesn't matter what that original promise was because it's now been lost as I cross different channels that I have at my fingertips. Mike, you've got the uh, point of view of operationalizing all of this. What does that mean to you? Yeah, and I think I think to sort of build on Ian and uh, Rob's points, I think what it really means is if you think if you think about being in stock, if you look at the surveys of the customer journeys and, and what customers are saying, still the biggest the biggest complaint is is not being in stock in any channel they want. And to Ian's point, that's going to change over the next four or five years. The typical average retailer today is in stock about 92 or 93 percent. A seamlessly integrated supply chain that's driven from the consumer and that and, and that everybody is engaged in delivers numbers 98, 99 percent. And that's a significant, significant difference in capabilities and, and promise. But as Ian said, over time, that's essentially going to be where retailers need to evolve to. You will need to, regardless of the channel, be in stock 98, 99% of the time, whether it's during a promotion, whether it's during this, whether it's online, whether it's I go to the store, whether I have it delivered to my home. That's kind of the expectation that, uh, that the supply chain is moving towards. Mike, uh, those are big numbers. Does that mean that uh, every retailer is going to have to increase their inventory uh, double or triple so that they can be uh, having those kind of performance numbers? Or are there other technologies that help them do that? Yeah, I mean, great question. The good news, and it's a little counterintuitive, is that 
uh, if you actually, as a retailer, integrate your supply chain and really drive the supply chain from the consumer uh, and translate what that means to your for your distribution operations and for your um, supply partners, what it actually has shown is that not only can retail in stocks, regardless of the channel, improve to the 98, 99%, but inventory levels actually can go down at the same time. For example, that is counterintuitive. We, it is very counterintuitive because the think of the think of the retail supply chain now being dynamic like a consumer. I'm always ebbing and flowing depending upon what is and what isn't selling, and I've got everybody sort of connected with all the same uh, information in terms of what it means to them. We, you know, we have a client, uh, one of our most recent clients in Western Canada, connected the supply chain with a, with a technology we call flowcasting. Um, and what they saw was an increase in in-stock from about 92% to around 98%, and at the same time, a drop in inventory of over 10%. Those are sizable numbers. Those are sizable numbers, and, and, and those are the kinds of numbers that the supply chain is just going to need to be able to deliver uh, to, to make, uh, to make uh, retail competitive. Okay. Uh, next question to, uh, to all of you. How do you know your supply chain is not meeting the challenges of your customer experience in this new digital omnichannel Amazon informed customer environment? And how do you know you've got it right? Ian? Well, I think you know you don't have it right when customer loyalty goes down, your revenues goes down, you may be the number of people that are either on your website or in your stores because somebody else is offering um, similar type products, but they can get them in a, in a much more expedited fashion. In terms of how do you know when you've got it right, I think the reverse, you get more brand loyalty and, and, and you get more customers coming in. But um, what you want to do to begin with is to, is to really understand how you could differentiate yourself and test that promise of what you want to deliver. And so um, we do extensive work um, doing quantitative research to make sure that the promise is relevant to consumers. Because the last thing you want to do is build something um, and technology is expensive to build that's not going to be relevant to the customer. So we test the promise. Mike, do you have anything to add to Ian's comments? Yeah, I think uh, if you think of um, the supply chain operationally, sort of the metrics that we <clears throat> like to uh, help instill within our retail clients is obviously daily in stock. Um, and, you know, we look to drive that to the 98, 99% uh, kinds of numbers, regardless of the planning scenario, regardless of the situation. Um, in addition, one of the things that we're finding, um, just, just by the fact that people now have that information at their fingertips, uh, store inventory accuracy is a big issue. So measuring that and, and monitoring that and keeping that uh, at a high level, because that helps drive the entire supply chain. And then I think finally, and I think it builds on sort of Ian's point, is depending upon what your promise is, what, are, what is the cycle time? If you say you're going to deliver in a day, deliver in a day. Measure that. If you say you're going to deliver in two days, do that and measure that. So operationally, it's essentially saying make sure operationally the numbers and the metrics are consistent with the promise that you're, deliver, that you're offering to the customer. What I hear from Ian is a, a bit of a promise, and I hear from you a bit of metrics. Rob, can you tie those together for us? Yeah, we like to think about lead and leg metrics. And what that means uh, when we say lead metrics, it's those internal, more process-driven metrics that give you a leading view of how well you're execu executing on the customer experience. So a lot of the things that Mike spoke to around in-stocks, um, 
uh, cycle times, those sorts of things, those would be some core lead metrics, which give an idea of how well do we think we're executing on our promise. Um, some of the things that Ian actually brought up around understanding what those key drivers of your promise are, we then test those in what we call lag setting, um, which would be getting direct feedback from our customers in a real-time basis. And so that can be executed in a number of different ways, but one of the ways to do that is is receiving real-time feedback from our customers. Could be two, three question surveys via text or email, et cetera. Um, but getting that ongoing feedback, you know, of course, from a lead point of view, but as well from a lag point of view, and then marrying those two things together. Ian, do uh, you want to add, add to yeah, that? Yeah, I think it's it's not unimportant what the guys are just talking about here because um, the demands that consumers are making are expensive. And what we're, the guys have just talked about is actually t hitting two really important uh, aspects of a retailer. One is how do I get my costs down, my margins up to pay for all of the stuff that consumers are wanting. And at the same time, uh, the silver lining in all of this is that you're increasing dramatically the consumer experience. So not only are you becoming more efficient but you're also pleasing your consumers. And that doesn't happen in such sort of a confluence. And that's why this is super important to be able to, to do these things. And when I hear that, uh, it doesn't happen by happenstance. This is a well-thought-out, well-orchestrated strategy. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, gentlemen, let me ask you a, a wrap-up question. What are the lessons learned when implementing and integrating an omni-channel customer strategy for your supply chain and customer fulfillment. Ian? Well, I think the key lesson that it's not about technology. Uh, it's about the end customer and what you're going to do to make their journey more enjoyable and rewarding to begin with. Mike, do you have any uh, key thoughts on lessons learned? Yeah, and I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Ian said. Uh, and I think, and I think you know, as you mentioned, Claude, it's, um, it takes a well thought out plan. Uh, you've got to spend the time and effort. You've actually got to change, re, you know, retail's going through pretty seismic changes, including the supply chain. So, you know, the effort has to spend time on changing people the way, the way they think, how they work. That takes some effort, some patience, some experimenting and some coaching. Um, you know, given that the retail supply chain ha has such enormous impact on, on a retailer and it spans multiple organizations. So it's really about sort of changing behaviors and thinking and, and the way we work. Rob, any last thoughts on lessons learned uh, from a customer journey, customer experience standpoint? I think just to build on Mike and Ian, it, it all really does come down to the customer and understanding what's important to them. And when you have that insight in your back pocket, I think it really helps with prioritization. Obviously, there's uh, an incredible number of opportunities out there to improve any organization. But when you really understand what is fundamentally most important to your customer, you put in place a process that provides feedback on how well you're delivering that uh, with the league and leg indicators that I spoke to before. That really helps to prioritize efforts, energy, resources, those sorts of things to ensure that you're delivering what's most value to the customer and then ultimately what's most value to your organization as well. Ian, Mike, Rob, thanks for joining me in the Level 5 Strategy Lounge. Thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning into Strategy Lounge, the Level 5 podcast. To learn more about our work, please visit level5strategy.com.